Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. This ain't the hokey pokey. You're all the way in or you're all the way out. It's high noon for Thursday, December 9th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Yab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator And the merch site is cancelcotour.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 323rd day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You thought you were telling the truth by saying the things said by people you thought were telling the truth, but you never bothered to check. And now, instead of being the smartest person in the room, as you think you are, you're just obviously the most gullible. One of the key observations I had last year that brought me to the point I'm at now, politically, philosophically, whatever. The thing I realized was that all of the most powerful people and powerful organizations in the world 
were all aligned about virtually everything, and all of them were trying to destroy Donald Trump. You could see it across industries, across political parties, across countries that we are told are rivals. And all of those entities and all the views they espouse are anti-human and in direct opposition to the needs of the world and its people. They all have the same agenda that they're working towards. And it disguises itself as capitalistic greed. But greed isn't naturally capitalistic. This sort of greed that gains by exploiting systems and changing governments and controlling everything from the top down, that isn't capitalist at all. That's not free market. That's not the free and open exchange of goods and services and ideas. That ends in a tiered system where the people in control have everything and everyone else has nothing except what's provided for them by the people in control. And they can only gain in that system by supporting the people in control and thus supporting the state, the state being a global communist world order. This is just true. You can see it in the world right now as it's happening. I would go so far as to say it's undeniable. And I called that power center the old guard. I did not know at the time that that phrase was already being used, but it turns out it was. And it was describing something very similar to what I was describing. And I would rarely, maybe never, presume to have understood something prior to the great Steve Bannon, but Steve Bannon outlined the same concept today on The War Room, and I want to play that clip for you. This guy has been ahead of pretty much everyone about pretty much everything. He has been focused on this phenomenon and this problem for a very long time. To suck on that uh, MSNBC. Um, They also control high culture, pop culture, low culture, Hollywood, the media, the universities, that, uh, you know, p- cultures, the internet, the internet cultures, uh, the oligarchs in Silicon Valley, the woke corporations, all of Wall Street. You know, the, it's the it's the do- it's the billionaire donor class now supports it. So they control everything. Who are we? We're, we're, we're you know, it's the it's the American Lao Beijing, old hundred names. Right. And now but they're taking over school boards. They're taking over the election officials they're taking over the Republican Party. And you got Matt Gates and a handful of cadre members out throughout the country. Uh, saying we're going to we're actually going to have another theory of governance. Why are they? And you can see it now. This Atlantic, they got the Atlantic magazine. Two issues, two issues are to the the insurrection, two whole issues. And you got guys on CNN, and they're sitting there. They got the long faces. They're depressed. And Joanne Reed says last night, we don't have any urgency. Matt Gates is going to have a star chamber, and they understand all the corrupt buddies in this administration, right? And all their corrupt programs are going to be in the dock. And they go, he's going to run a star chamber. Where are you people? Why don't they have any urgency on their side, Congressman Gates? Well, they haven't delivered for their people. And so they draw no inspiration from the base the way we are able to do now. So I'm thinking about all of this this morning as I'm at the gym listening to Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci. And let me say, 
I am convinced that this is probably one of the most important books ever written. Okay. This is the kind of thing that can cause dramatic societal change on its own so long as everyone actually consumes the information and shares the information. Because as you listen to this, as you really take account for what has happened in the public health community and the media as led by Anthony Fauci over the last 20 months, but really, truly decades, what you see is a system of corruption and evil on a scale that is absolutely on par with what we saw in World War II Germany. There is no other way to say it. This man has enriched himself and some of the most powerful people in the world by killing people intentionally and covering it up. And people will say, well, you know, they're just trying to do their best and the situation is evolving. It's a very complex situation. We have a brand new virus as if no one had ever seen coronaviruses before or tried to treat them. And they will always give the benefit of the doubt to these people for no reason other than they accepted these people's position first. So once they have accepted that position and once that position is enforced through social costs and career costs, it's very hard to think your way out of it. You basically have to be shocked your way out of it by real life. And a lot of people, depending on how protected their situations are in the world, don't have to experience that shock at any point. And those are the party of false decorum members I often refer to as the most privileged people on earth. It doesn't matter what decisions they make, no matter how lazy, no matter how immoral, they never really have to compromise their position in life. So they continue down the same path. They are happy to continue supporting the institutions of power because that is how they themselves believe that they themselves will advance. And the real sickness in this is that they are given a series of justifications for why them doing what's best for they themselves is actually helping everyone else. These people imagine themselves as saints and saviors simply for masking up and joining a medical experiment that every single bit of scientific evidence says is not necessary, does not work, and is actually harmful. And so I'm thinking about the book and I'm thinking about RFK's position. And by the way, again, an extraordinarily brave book, right? I hope that dude is well protected because the guy is out there with a relatively small sword trying to fight a dragon. And truth be told, I think he's going to win. But one interesting thing, and this is kind of the, the backdrop for me while I listen to this, and it's an important part of the context of this book he does not like and does not support Donald Trump, okay? And I'm trying to think about why this is, how this could be, right? And I understand, obviously, that Donald Trump 
pushed Anthony Fauci to the front of the room in terms of COVID communications. And Anthony Fauci has pretty obviously always been corrupt and a fraud and a liar and operating in an anti-scientific fashion to the point of deserving in every single way the evil that comes with the tag, Anthony Fauci, Nazi doctor, okay? Anthony Fauci is every bit as bad as Joseph Mangala. There is no question about it. You think I'm being hyperbolic here? Listen to the book or read the book. I promise you, you will agree. So Trump pushed Anthony Fauci to the front of the room. He made it so that instead of Anthony Fauci hiding in the shadows, as he always has before, he took Anthony Fauci's obvious narcissism and allowed Fauci to take the floor in some sense. Obviously, Trump was out there every day. The media presented Fauci as the saint and Trump as the villain. But Trump was out there on an almost daily basis saying all the things Anthony Fauci doesn't want him to say while he's next to him. So Anthony Fauci then has to cover his desired position somehow. Him doing that has exposed him as a liar and a fraud to everyone who has cared to even think about the subject. Yes, there are plenty of people out there who still think Anthony Fauci is a saint and the God of science. He is the oracle. He is infallible. Whatever he says is right. Whatever anyone says in opposition to Anthony Fauci is anti-science. They don't trust the science. They don't respect the science. They want to kill your grandmother. That's how Anthony Fauci was presented. Most of the country, most of the world has realized by this point that Anthony Fauci is none of those things. Anthony Fauci is, in fact, a Nazi doctor on par with Joseph Mengele, or maybe worse. So I'm imagining, and I don't know Robert F. Kennedy Jr., but I'm imagining that his disdain for Trump comes from a few places. First off, he's obviously a lifelong Democrat and has his biases. He probably has plenty of relationships still within the Democrat Communist Party's power system, and all of that was opposed to Donald Trump. It's odd to me that he doesn't realize Donald Trump is an ally of his, but let's leave that aside for the moment. So he has disdain for Donald Trump based on prior biases. That's fine. I imagine he also has disdain for Donald Trump because he thinks that Trump probably handled the coronavirus narrative or the actual pandemic uh, poorly. And I imagine that he has a very sophisticated argument that I would nonetheless disagree with. It's also possible that he blames Trump in some way for the vaccine coming out at all and the rollout and the extent to which Donald Trump may still support and promote the vaccines. So I want to talk about that part of it. And I haven't talked about it in a while. And people keep asking about this stuff. They keep being upset by the fact that when Donald Trump appears in interviews and is asked about the vaccine, he does not come out and say the vaccine is actually extremely dangerous and no one should take it. Okay. Now that is my position. The vaccine is dangerous for almost everybody. I am open to the possibility that there might be some small percentage of people 
who are older and with significant comorbidities that may be briefly helped by the vaccine in the circumstance where they may be exposed to COVID. Now, that is not most old people, and it's not even most old people with comorbidities. Most people in that situation of life are not particularly social. But regardless, I'm open to the idea that maybe this vaccine creates antibodies that maybe could stave off an infection for some people. Okay, I'm I leave myself open to that possibility for everyone else. They are engaging in a medical experiment with no liability on anyone else's side. You are taking the full risk by participating in the medical experiment. And the overwhelming likelihood is that your life would not be at risk if you became infected with covid. That is just a fact. And in fact, the Omicron variant is even weaker than all the COVID we've seen before. So as we go on in time, the likelihood of you getting seriously ill and dying from the coronavirus has dropped significantly. In fact, today, the European Medicines Agency said that Omicron cases are mostly mild in Europe so far. A highly transmissible version of COVID that is mostly mild is not a threat to anyone. The original infection fatality rate of the coronavirus, COVID-19, blah, 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 is one in 1,000 people who become infected with it. Almost all of them older with significant comorbidities. Virtually no one else is at significant risk from the coronavirus. People are at significant risk if they go into the hospital and are treated with remdesivir and ventilators. And there is a long section in the RFK book on remdesivir. And you will see quite clearly that Anthony Fauci and the World Health Community are using a drug they know to be deadly that they also know doesn't work after having stopped the public from receiving drugs that do not have a downside negative effect and do work like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin to then trust these people that their vaccine is very safe and effective without actually looking at the data yourself and understanding that the vaccine is not very safe and not at all effective is insane. So people are concerned that when Donald Trump goes on television, he is asked about the vaccines. The first thing he does is talk about what an accomplishment it was to force the pharmaceutical companies to bring this to market as fast as he did. Now, that part alone already makes people mad, and I understand why, okay? I'm going to try to explain this in the best way I can. And if you don't like or don't accept my explanation, that is a hundred percent your judgment to make. I do not believe that it's going to be acceptable to everyone. In fact, I know it's not because I've given this explanation plenty of times in Telegram and elsewhere, and a lot of people don't accept it. All good. So he says he's happy with Operation Warp Speed. He's proud of the fact that they brought the vaccine to market. 
He says he believes that people should get it, but that it should not be mandated. People need to decide for themselves. And he says that the vaccine has saved countless lives. Now, I am going to suggest that there are multiple ways to look at each one of these claims. If you look at it the direct way, I agree with all of you that at face value, the claim about saving lives is false. Saying that people should take the vaccines is a bad idea. And that being proud of getting them to market, knowing what we know about the vaccines is not something to be proud of. Okay. I understand where everyone is coming from on every one of those claims. I am going to suggest to you that there is another way to look at it and you can decide whether or not you agree. Let's consider where we were last year. Some places were locked down for a very brief period of time. Some places didn't lock down at all. And then some places still to this day have different variations on those lockdown programs. Now contingent on things like vaccination status. Some places still require masks all over the place. We know that none of this works, that none of it is effective, and that absolutely none of it does anything to help prevent the spread of coronavirus. That said, I don't think it is a stretch at all to suggest that the presence of the vaccine accelerated the narrative in terms of how much sooner we could return to normal life. For many people out there, people who really embraced the fear of the coronavirus, the vaccine may indeed be the only thing that can convince them that we can get back to normal life. Now, those people are clueless about the coronavirus and about the vaccine and about the effectiveness of noncompliance and the ineffectiveness of compliance. Okay. All of that I understand. I am not taking away from any of those points, but nonetheless, there exists a group of people for whom the vaccine allowed them psychologically to want the world to go back to normal. And they were promised that by doing it, the world would go back to normal. And to a large extent, over the last year that we've had these vaccines out there, those vaccines, the presence of those vaccines has allowed the world to go back to something closer to a version of normal. It is entirely possible that without the presence of the vaccine, if we were still in the period that the medical establishment wanted us to be in by their plan, we would be waiting for a couple of years in these lockdown phases before the vaccine got to market and people began to feel safe again and their paranoia would grow. The shutdowns of normal life would increase. And Trump's push to bring the vaccine to market may well have cut all of that off. That is a huge accomplishment. He is not describing it that way. I understand. And you don't have to agree with me. I understand that as well. These things remain to be seen. I am telling you that this is a possible explanation. Believe it or don't believe it. Reopening societies means reopening economies, reducing fear of the coronavirus, even with a bad vaccine, has still served 
to save the world in some way. That's just a fact. Okay. If we were all succumbing to the lockdowns that Anthony Fauci was pushing for all of 2020, we would be much further into the global great reset agenda. There probably wouldn't be a question about whether or not there would be support for the bill going through Congress that says we have mail-in ballots everywhere forever. For instance, they would have stolen the election either way. Okay. It's not like Donald Trump getting that vaccine to that point prevented them from stealing the election. They would have stolen the election and they would still be in quote unquote control right now. So the question then becomes, are we better off under their control with the vaccine out there or without it out there? I don't understand an argument that says our society would be surviving to the degree it is without the vaccine out there. Okay. Again, I know the vaccine is harmful. I know that people have taken it. People I love have taken it. It is very unfortunate. I am not denying that at all. There is no point at which that vaccine would have ever become safe, nor any point at which they would not want to have injected everybody with it. Doesn't matter if we waited the nine months that we waited or two years or five years or 10 years. It was never going to be safe or effective. It was always going to be what it is. So getting that out there earlier and saving economies does matter. Now, has that saved lives? If you are with me so far, then I think you understand the next step of that is it necessarily must have saved lives based on the fact that economies shutting down is more devastating than anything else we can imagine. And we've already seen that to be true. Okay. Hundreds of millions of people. I haven't even seen an updated statistic on this, but I know last August 2020, there were already estimated 200 million people pushed into extreme poverty worldwide, 200 million people. And it's probably doubled at least since then. Then we have increases in drug abuse, alcohol abuse, domestic abuse, suicide. And we know unemployment creates all of those conditions as well. How much of that were we to withstand? How much of that were we to withstand? And then the cost benefit analysis becomes, will more people die from that or from the vaccine? And one of the key factors in thinking about that is whether or not there is a way to counteract the presence of the vaccine in your body. Can you restore your immune system? Can you flush your body of the toxins, the spike proteins, and whatever else is in that vaccine? Can you flush that out? Okay. And so if we get to that point, then the question becomes, did Trump force anyone to take the vaccine? The answer to that is quite clearly no. Okay. Donald Trump saying that he thinks people should take the vaccine does not force anyone to take the vaccine. The Democrats were out there last year talking about how they would not take any vaccine that was developed under Donald Trump. Joe Biden said it. Kamala Harris said it. It was a pretty common theme 
among the communists to say that they would not take the Trump vaccine. And we know the reason why. If they were able to make that vaccine sound dangerous, then they could delay it ever coming out and they could lock us down for longer. And ultimately, they could have a villain who they could blame for the dangerous vaccine. Now, I know people who have relatives who have taken the vaccine because they thought it was safe because Trump said he thinks people should take it. And there's not a great answer to that. I'm sorry is a good answer. But the truth is we are in a period where people need to discover that their decisions are their responsibility. There is a difference between someone suggesting something and someone forcing you into something. All right. If someone suggests something and you don't research it for yourself, you don't actually weigh the benefits versus the costs, you don't think about the morality of going along with what someone else says, then I'm sorry, you have not properly advanced through this time period. All right. And maybe people made that decision 10 months ago and now they have reached a different point. And again, I'm very sorry about that. Hopefully these people will have no negative outcomes from their vaccines. Although I'm sorry, again, I highly doubt it. And to repeat, there are people I love who have taken that vaccine. Okay. I'm not happy about saying this stuff just for the record. So Trump has never been about mandates. Every time he talks about the vaccine, he says he thinks the mandates are wrong, that people should get it if they want to get it, but that no one should be forced to. So that is where we all understand we are. But people want something more. They want Donald Trump to come out and say, this vaccine is extremely dangerous and no one should take it. The production should be shut down. The distribution should be shut down. This is a crime against humanity. That's what people want. People have always wanted, myself included, many times for Donald Trump to say the right thing, the thing we want him to say. It's this idea. And I wrote about it last year, by the way. It's like if he had just talked about it this way, things would have worked out okay. And the truth is, really? Like, first off, it's a counterfactual. We don't know what would have really happened if he had said things a different way. But if we're going to propose something like that, we actually have to think about what it would be like if he did do that. And what would it be like? What would that be like? So assume for a second that I'm right, that the vaccine was used to reopen societies and that the chances of reopening society without the vaccine and with the communists in whatever power they're in is vanishingly low. So if we were still in lockdowns, if people were not working, if people felt permanently scared of COVID and people just kept digging themselves further and further and further into the central narrative, where would we be? And I would suggest to you that we would be in a far worse position than we are in now. So I would suggest to you that the vaccine rollout and the presence of the vaccine may indeed be a necessary evil. All right. Again, another premise of all of this is that we truly are at war with global communism and that we are in the final stages of that. Okay. There is only so much further we could have walked down that road. And 
if Trump didn't get the vaccine out there and we stayed in lockdown conditions or whatever it might have been for much longer, we would have entered the Great Reset the way they have tried to get us to enter the Great Reset. You need to understand Trump's time in office as counteracting every element of the Great Reset. He was trying to make it harder and harder and harder for them to accomplish that mission, which is why he was attacking the areas he was attacking. And in doing that, he has showed us what the country can be like if we are not headed in that direction. His time in office delayed the implementation of the Great Reset agenda. If Hillary was in there for four years, we would be much deeper into all of this. Likewise, that four-year delay has caused the global communists to speed up their implementation of the Great Reset agenda to the point where everyone in the world can see what they're doing. All right. Think about the border, for instance. Would we have realized what that was really about without this period? My answer is no. Trump handling these things in these ways has allowed Anthony Fauci to be exposed, the World Health Community to be exposed, the election fraud to be exposed, the global reset agenda to be exposed. These are critical, critical things. And then you can choose to accept that answer or not. People will then say, Donald Trump is nonetheless out there still trying to claim that this vaccine was good and an accomplishment. Okay, so you either agree with me or not there. That's fine. But then what they'll say is it is evil for him to be allowing this to happen. Right. And the funny thing is that a lot of those people think that Donald Trump is not in power at all right now. And he actually has power over whether or not people will take the vaccine. I do not believe that there is a group of people in the United States for the last, I don't know, six or seven months who was anti-vax, anti the COVID vax, at least, or skeptical or hesitant or whatever you would like to call it. I do not believe that there was a group of people who had those characteristics and then heard Donald Trump say that he thought it was okay and decided to go out and get the vaccine. If you have already gone through the logic of why you should not get the vaccine, you are not going to be convinced by Donald Trump to get it if he says to get it. And all those dumb influencers on Instagram like Anzero Molly and all those people who are pretending that two million dollars from pharma to Trump's campaign fund through the RNC somehow makes Donald Trump grandpa Moderna and a vaccine shill. That's that is like brain dead, rock dumb, child brain shit. Okay, that you can just wipe off the board immediately. There is no justification for believing anything like that. It is nonsense. If that were the case, why did pharma want Joe Biden to win so badly? There is no comparison to be made there. Okay, so the question becomes, is it evil that Donald Trump is not speaking out against this vaccine. All right. And now I don't mean to be blasphemous here in any way or try to compare Trump to God in any way. But this argument, the argument itself is shaped exactly like the religious and philosophical argument from evil about the existence of God. Okay. Again, as a 
person who spent most of their adult life as an atheist with a degree in philosophy, I've spent a pretty good deal of time on the arguments for and against the existence of God. One of the arguments against the existence of God is that if there was omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent God, how is evil allowed to exist on the earth? Okay. And this is a very, very old philosophical and religious debate that has been going on for centuries. And the reason a debate like this continues is because neither side will ultimately accept the other side's answers because neither side's answer can get past the other side's prior belief and bias. Why would a God who can prevent evil allow evil, right? And some of the best arguments to that are because people have free will and because none of this existence would have any point if it was just a utopia. And the utopia is exactly what the communists want, which means it's no surprise that communism is godless. They believe a world without evil is possible while somehow also being unclear about what evil is or if evil truly exists. And that is a tough one to figure out because they will say in some way that they believe evil exists. And then you can show them all these various forms of evil that they ostensibly support. And they'll be like, yeah, but that's not evil. That was just a mistake. Well, they're trying to do good. Well, this is how we're going to make a better world. No, 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 no. It's evil. So the argument that Trump should be stopping people from getting vaccines as if he could do that is basically the question that why is Trump allowing this evil to continue? And to that, I say, first of all, we are at war. Okay. There are going to be necessary evils no matter what. No one is going to make it through this totally unscathed. That's just not possible. And we have to put away the idea that it might be. So many of us have had our lives impacted dramatically in the last couple of years. I know myself, I lost a career I had worked on for 15 years. Now I like scrape by. I lost countless people I thought I was friends with. I've been censored, banned, shadow banned, uninvited, bullied, shamed, censored, slandered, you name it. And there are people who have had it far worse than me. But are we really to believe that Trump coming out and saying that the vaccines are dangerous and no one should take them is going to stop anyone from getting vaccinated and dealing with the vaccine as a problem? Most of the people who have gotten vaccinated, maybe not all, but most of the people who have gotten vaccinated have done so because they are scared of a disease that they could have just researched and then not been scared of. That's one part. Another part is that many of them have superficial reasons for why they got the vaccine. They wanted to be able to go places. They wanted to be able to travel. They wanted to be thought of the right way by their peers. And then some others 
feel like they were coerced into getting the vaccine by their workplace or by their state or city, or they think that's going to happen to them in the future, even though the mandates are getting knocked down left and right. And so they went out and got the vaccine so that they could hold on to all these things, even though all these things will be stripped from them eventually anyway. And they will have gotten the vaccine for no reason. And it turns out many of these people are realizing that they got the vaccine for no reason, either because the mandate was knocked down or because new restrictions are being put up for when they choose not to get the booster. Or it turns out that they are punished for something else just because they have finally stopped complying now. And they got the same result as if they had never complied from the beginning. And that is why you never comply from the beginning. There is no end to compliance. If you begin to comply, you comply forever. When you stop complying, you will be punished as if you had not complied the entire time. That's why you don't comply. So the response generally is then that it is bad or even evil to suggest that people should get the vaccine or encourage people to still get the vaccine. And I have a lot of sympathy with that argument, except when you place it in the context of everything else that's happening, because to propose that something different should be done, then you have to encounter the results of that different thing being done. If Trump came out against the vaccine at any point, so far, what would have happened? Okay. MSNBC, CNN, Fox, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times, all of the newspapers, all of the communist outlets like the Atlantic, all of the prestige, all the corporations, the universities, the world health community, the social media companies, etc. They would be fighting back against that position in every way possible. And they would make that position even more untenable than they try to make it now. Okay. Donald Trump is anti-science. Donald Trump wants to kill your grandmother. That would be what we're seeing every day, all the time. It would be the January 6th narrative on steroids. And there's at least some potential that we might be pushed back in to the lockdown scenario that I described before as being probably the most dangerous and most deadly outcome. And we are in a place of necessary evils, perhaps. We are in a lose-lose situation to some degree, and picking the lesser of those consequences in a time of war might be necessary. Again, he's not forcing anyone to get the vaccine. People should be doing their own homework and doing their own thinking in a moral sense about whether or not they have to get the vaccine. If you got the vaccine to save your job, then you made an analysis and you said that your priority of keeping your job was more important than not getting the vaccine. Okay, that is not Donald Trump's fault. That's your decision. And I'm not talking about individual situations. If you think that's what you had to do, then I hope the best for you. And I understand that people didn't want to lose their careers and their livelihoods, things that they've worked their whole life to accomplish. I get it. 
But that doesn't make it Donald Trump's fault. It makes it your choice. So what would the narrative be if Trump was out against the vaccines? Trump would be painted as anti-science way more than he is already. It would dominate the news and it would potentially push us back into lockdowns. It almost definitely would not change how many people get the vaccine at this point. Donald Trump is not convincing people to get the vaccines. I do not believe that there are a large number of people signing up for the medical experiment on the basis of Donald Trump not coming out strongly enough against it. And the truth is, people are coming to the proper conclusion about the vaccines very slowly, too slowly, but without Donald Trump leading them. Again, I'm going to say, I think this RFK book, The Real Anthony Fauci, is one of the most important books ever written. All right. This is necessary for the society to learn and understand. And I hope you all do your part in ingesting the information and then getting that information out there to the people whose lives can be affected in a positive way by getting that information. Now, imagine with all the pressure that is already on RFK and on this book and how much it is being censored and silenced already. Imagine if RFK's position was publicly known as the Donald Trump position. Despite the man's lifelong position in the Democrat power structure and despite his strong anti-Trump bias, this book and that man would be tied directly to Donald Trump. And if that was the case, do you really think this book would be able to have the reach or the impact it has? When I send this book to people and I recommend this book to people who voted for Joe Biden, who got vaccinated, who have believed the whole COVID story, one of the things I tell them is that this is a lifelong Democrat who is strongly anti-Trump. This is not about Trump. The media would like to have us believe that everything is about Donald Trump because Donald Trump to them is an avatar of everything they must defeat for the global communist agenda to succeed. And this book, as much as anything, has the chance to tear down one of the pillars of this global communist agenda. This health community nonsense, the corruption and evil overseen by Anthony Fauci with his partners like Bill Gates and the pharma companies, people who have an active interest in population control. This pillar has to be torn down. And Donald Trump was not the man to tear it down. All right. Donald Trump has torn down the media. And that in itself is a huge advantage in destroying the lifetime subscription model to the experimental vaccine program. Throughout this entire period, Donald Trump has told us about all sorts of things that could make the pandemic better. He told us about hydroxychloroquine. And what did they do? He's told us about all sorts of therapeutics. And every time he did it, the media would try to destroy those things and the public health community would try to reduce our access to them. 
Remember what just happened with monoclonal antibodies a few months ago with Regeneron. It became a big thing in Florida and some other states. And Joe Biden's administration immediately tried to cut off their supply. Meanwhile, virtually everyone who voted for Donald Trump already knows most of this stuff about the vaccines, or at least they know enough to be hesitant or wary. Donald Trump is not convincing them to get them or not get them. So him coming out against them would have very little effect. Him taking this position has allowed us to get to the point we are at right now. I firmly believe that. Okay. You don't have to. Maybe this argument isn't good enough for you. Maybe you think there is absolutely no justification for him still providing any support to the vaccine regime. And I respect that position. I just think it's wrong. If you're going to take that position, I feel like you are required to tell me how the situation could have been different and how that would have been better. And not only in the short term, how would that have been better in the grander scope of things long term in what is actually trying to be accomplished here? Okay. Sooner or later, people have to think for themselves and make their own decisions. We are not in a world where you just get to trust the people you think are always telling the truth and do whatever they say. We are adults. Are we supposed to accept that people go out and get their children vaccinated because they're like, well, you know, Donald Trump kind of supports it, so it must be all right. That's enough for you. It's not enough for me. I mean, I don't have kids. But when I hear people talking about getting their kids vaccinated, that's what I say. It always becomes eventually an argument to false authority. And Donald Trump, by the way, love Trump, support Trump. Think he's maybe the greatest president of all time. We'll see if he can stick the landing. But I don't just do whatever he says. And I don't assume that everything he says is true. Figuring out whether or not I agree with him, that's my responsibility. If I just give away my thinking and my decision making to anyone, including Donald Trump, then I am obligated to assume the consequences for my laziness and my thoughtlessness. And people will say, yeah, but I don't have the time to do all this. And if that's the case, okay. But again, you have made a statement about your priorities. It is your decision not to prioritize being right or trying to make sure you are as right as you can be about a critically important issue about your permanent health status. And the truth is that most people don't even do that. If they hear a conflicting opinion about anything, what they will normally do is go immediately to Google, despite knowing that Google censors information, they will go immediately to Google and they will try to look up the conflicting information and read a couple of fact checks or articles from other sources of authority that they give away their thinking to. And they will disprove the conflicting information so they can stay at their original position. So I guess you're going to have to take it or leave it. But if you're going to leave it, I want to know what positive benefit would be had by Donald Trump coming out against the vaccine. And I want to know what your understanding of the downside of that move would be. And if you can't answer those things, 
then you've given me no justification to think that you're right or to even really believe you've thought about it. And while you think about that, here is some context from the Nazi doctor himself, Anthony Fauci. There's so much opposition now in Congress and across the states, even in Democratic states, uh, Governor Whitmer in Michigan and other places. It's becoming just a political test and the outlook in the outlook is not at all a sure thing in the court system. Is there any thought of backing off of that and trying to avoid, you know, all the outcry against it? Yeah, but, you know, Andrew, we, we really have to get people vaccinated. I mean, I understand and we all understand how people do not like to be told what to do. They want to make their own choice and their own free will. I get that and I respect that. But these are unusual times. And you can't think only of yourself and your own personal opinion, but you've got to think about your communal responsibility to get yourself and your family and indirectly then the community protected. So I would prefer, and we all would prefer, that people would be voluntarily getting vaccinated. But if they're not going to do that, sometimes you've got to do things that are unpopular, but that clearly supersede individual choices and are directed predominantly at the communal good. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about requirements. Okay, so tell me again how what's happening is not communism, all right? What justification did Anthony Fauci just give for the violation of the Nuremberg Code? The communal good, okay? Communal good. What is that? That, my friends, is the philosophical justification for communism and every single top down policy that they choose to enforce upon the people against the will of the people. It is the justification for everything they do. And once you have convinced the people to place an ostensible, not a real, because they would actually have to prove that what they were doing benefited the communal good, but an ostensible communal good as defined by the people who lie to you about absolutely everything. Once you've convinced people that they need to always and everywhere at all times work toward the communal good, well, then you can pretty much get them to do anything. And we hear it all the time. It is selfish to not want to get vaccinated with a dangerous experimental gene therapy that is absolutely not a vaccine and does not prevent infection, transmission, serious illness, or death. It does not work in acquiring herd immunity, which is the entire justification for why they need to get everyone vaccinated in the first place. It was supposed to eradicate COVID. That's not going to happen, guys. And virtually everyone knows it because a vaccine that can't prevent transmission or infection or illness or death can also not help you acquire herd immunity. So the logic for everyone getting it is gone. So what they have to tell you is that you are working toward the communal good. And so they say it is selfish for you not to participate in the experimental gene therapy. Yes, it's dangerous. And no, you're not actually at any risk right now. 
And virtually everyone understands that. But they also convinced you that you have a communal duty to make sure that no one else can get sick, even if you are not sick. So you need to mask up. You need to lock down. You need to give away your job. You need to cancel your holidays and your weddings. You need to not be next to your dying relatives, nor have a funeral for them. All for the communal good, because you might get sick and you might spread your sickness. And then that death is your responsibility. So sure, you're not in any danger and the people you interact with, your family members or whomever, are not in danger. But the fact that a disease does exist somewhere means that you are morally required to do everything they tell you to do to try to prevent the spread of that disease, even though none of the things they tell you to do actually help prevent the spread of the disease. And you must do it for the communal good. This is also, by the way, why you're not allowed to use plastic straws in California because they end up in the ocean and then animals die and you have a responsibility to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, hey, how does all that garbage get in the ocean? And why don't we just solve that problem? They're still trying to convince us to recycle for the communal good, even though recycling doesn't even happen anymore. We used to send all that recycled material over to China. Turns out now they don't need it and they don't want it. So the market for recycled materials has dried up to the extent where it is no longer profitable to move our recyclable waste overseas, which means that all of those recycled materials go where the rest of the garbage goes. And there have been huge reports on this in papers like the LA Times, literally in the belly of the beast of moronic communism, Los Angeles, California. There have been pieces on this, but everyone just ignores it because they identify as people who are always working for the communal good and they still believe it is a communal good. So they still separate everything and put it in the blue can. And once it becomes part of your identity to be someone that works for the communal good, even though the things you're doing don't do anything to benefit the community, you aren't just going to let that go and try to find productive habits that will benefit the community, which shows ipso facto that your priority is not the communal good. It is merely to look like someone who cares about the communal good because my friends, at that point, you have fully adopted the communist ethic. So please do not tell me that all of this and supporting any of this is not global communism. You are aiding and abetting global communism by going along with any of the global reset agenda. And one of the only frustrating things about the RFK book is, at least to the extent I've taken it in so far, which is 25 to 30%, there is no indication, and I can basically surmise this, 
because of who Robert F. Kennedy is, what he talks about, and the fact that there is still plenty of anti-Trump leaning in the book so far, that the connection here at some point drops off, okay? Donald Trump, despite anything else, is most obviously opposing the global communist agenda at every possible point he can. And he did it throughout his presidency, which is why ultimately he is the champion of this cause and will go down in history as one of, if not the greatest president in American history. The fact that you can know all of this about Anthony Fauci and about Big Pharma and about the massive infrastructure of global communism that backs Anthony Fauci and this agenda and not understand that the alignment of the entire old guard being on board with absolutely every bit of that agenda and always at every point being opposed to Donald Trump and not realize Trump as part of the solution and not part of the problem, that is beyond me, okay? And if you don't understand that, then I don't know what to say to you. I mean, what was it? It was all a psyop. Donald Trump was actually just doing their bidding the whole time and they were all just against him to trick us. Give me a break. To then understand all of that and not be a child brain who thinks that last part, that is ridiculous. But to understand all of that and then think that these same people, these same exact people, do not have it in them to steal an American election while you watch them steal elections in other countries all around the world. I'm sorry. I don't know how to talk to you at that point because that is the simplest possible last piece to put into the puzzle. And I do hope that I actually get to have this conversation with, with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And there is a connection there. I might be able to use that. I might be able to work it out. But I want to listen to the entire book first. You know what I mean? I don't want to like go into the thing without having consumed every bit of what he's actually putting down. And again, I think that this is massively brave and massively important. And I honor and respect what he has done. I just don't understand that last part. And I'm very curious about what he would have to say about it now. Okay. That went longer than I anticipated, but I really did want to get all that down and out and allow people to think about that, criticize it however you like, disagree with me if you like, all good, okay? I've put a lot of thought into that. I've answered those questions many, many times, and I feel like my position is the right one. Maybe it's not. We'll find out. Yesterday, there was a, another major hearing in Wisconsin regarding the complete and total fraud that their November 2020 election was. And I want to play some clips from that. The Gateway Pundit did a good compilation of it yesterday. You can go directly to that if you want to see it. Liz Harrington tweeted out a bunch of clips. If I had more time to go through this, I would do more commentary on that stuff. But I think maybe the best way to handle this quickly will be to uh, read her tweets out and then play the audio and drop a few comments in, but I can't belabor any of it. That said, I know how important this subject is, and I don't want this to go overlooked in any way. So if this is how you get the bulk of your information throughout the day, 
I want to be sure that I don't miss this. So these are these tweets are from Liz Harrington, who is Donald Trump's official spokesperson. Explosive hearing happening now in Wisconsin on how Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's CTCL interfered in the 2020 election. In Wisconsin, there are 119,283 active voters who have been registered for over a hundred years. The number is over 500,000 when you add in inactive voters, third world country voter registrations. And she includes a clip. Because of this, Wisconsin lists 42,000 uh, voters uh, who are currently inactive in the, in the August 2021 file, who nevertheless are, re- are, are indicated that they voted in the 2020 election. Uh, this is a red flag because there would be few reasons to uh, inactivate a voter from the rolls that had voted just 10 months earlier. Uh, there are obviously some cases where people moved and other things. Uh, that number does seem to be excessive. And, and that's another thing that should be investigated. And Liz Harrington continues. Plus, 9,700 active voters registered prior to 2016 and never voted in any election appeared as voting in 2020. Another 1,500 registered prior to 2011 and never voted but are listed as voting in 2020. Additionally, 9,700 voters who are currently active and they registered prior to 2016. So they registered prior to four years uh, before the, the 2020 election. So they were registered prior to 2016. They voted in November, but they had never participated in any election in those four years. So they have not participated in any 2016, 2017, and then they appear as voting on 2020. If you go back even farther, over 1,500 voters who, who, who show a, a application registration prior to 2011 had never voted in any election since, but then voted in the 2020 election. Um, I believe that that's a, a very unusual uh, red flag. It may indicate that votes are being cast in their names. Uh, if you were looking for voters that were not likely to vote, that is the population that, that uh, you would probably want to hit. And here's the next clip. In conclusion, uh, the irregularities and red flags found by both this report and the Valentine report indicate a huge potential for nefarious actors to access the Wisconsin voter registration system and allow them to manipulate any voter status. There needs to be an investigation by competent outside database experts to explain the causes of the specific anomalies. This investigation needs to determine the complete database structures, hosting locations, the user access lists, and examine the system log files for evidence of external intrusion. The investigation also needs to determine if third-party voter organizations have been granted access to the system to create, manipulate, or improperly utilize voter records in contravention of state law. Uh, In addition, the procedures and standards for creating and updating voter registration records must be determined, published, and make sure they are rigorously followed in the future. Only by these actions can we assure the public that their duly appointed election officials have been, are being, and will be faithful executors of the duties with which they are entrusted. And now let's switch over to the election wizard. It's electionwiz.com. 
This is from this morning. Wisconsin hearing reveals massive voter anomalies. The Wisconsin Assembly on Campaigns and Elections hosted a hearing on Wednesday. The election probe heard testimony from several people, including Jeff O'Donnell, a veteran software and database engineer. O'Donnell's testimony revealed massive problems with the integrity of Wisconsin's elections. Here's a takeaway of the key points. Although Wisconsin's population is 5.8 million, with approximately 4.5 million eligible to vote, there are more than 7 million separate voter records, suggesting that voters are placed on an active status rather than being removed. And that, in fact, is their system. But what you see right there, four and a half million people eligible, two and a half million extra registries still on their rolls. And they can use those unless somebody actually checks. And now someone has actually checked. But most of the time, no one really does, or the story gets totally quashed, or no one continues caring. They just throw up their hands and say, well, yeah, I guess it is what it is. This is just how it works. We can try to get these voter rolls cleaned up. But when they attempt to do that, what happens? People like Stacey Abrams and the rest of the Democrat Communist Party call it a voter purge and suggest that it is racist to take inactive voters off the voter rolls as if registering to vote was some extraordinarily difficult thing. And this happens in all sorts of states. People believe that California has at least five million registered voters who should not be on the rolls. Do you think that they might be using all those extra votes for something? Huh? It's a mystery. California, the deepest of deep blue states. Yeah, total mystery. What could it be? And by the way, we know for a fact that there are public private partnerships with various organizations and those organizations have access to voter registries. That is how they create a pool of fake voters that can be drawn on any time extra votes are needed. We know that is what happens. We know they have relationships with these groups like Rock the Vote and LeBron James's fake communist organization more than a vote. And we know those registries were accessed by foreign countries like Iran, and we knew that before the election. Back to the election wizard. 157,000 voters in Wisconsin have the same registration number. How does that happen? How does that happen by accident? How does that happen through human error? Approximately 3.3 million Wisconsinites voted in the 2020 election, representing 93.7 of the state's 3.5 million active voters. So that actually makes what I was just talking about a minute ago even worse. Okay. 4.5 million eligible, 3.5 million active, 7 million on the rolls. And those numbers might not intuitively seem to add up properly, but you got to remember that people who are still on the rolls, many of them are no longer eligible or active voters because maybe they died or they moved out of state or whatever. If you're not regularly cleaning up those rolls, then people will stay on them long after they should be off. Back to the article. 
121,251 active Wisconsin voters have been registered for 110 to 119 years. In total, more than 500,000 active and inactive voters have a January 1st, 1918 registration date. O'Donnell pointed out that while that date may have been used as a placeholder when information was missing, 500,000 is an alarmingly high number. And there are a couple of more clips here from Liz Harrington. So I'm going to play those for you. And so, so I, I don't think that they were serious about addressing uh, COVID at all. It was all about getting out the vote from the inception. I think um, there's been analysis done. I think it was by the Foundation for Government Accountability and Nationalization that about 1% of the spending was for you know, COVID-related things. And so I, I think on the public health matter, um, you know, you, you really have to like, okay, you know, you, you have to make all these assumptions uh, to, to get anywhere. And, and I don't think that's really what this is about. I, I think that everyone knows it was a pretext. I also want to mention that, that it was done so hastily. So as Representative Spritzer says, the election was the safest and most secure election of all time. Now, Election Wizard has a few more notes on this. 10% of voters in the Wisconsin voter file 22% of all active voters registered between May 3rd and November 3rd, 2020. 22% of active voters registered in that six-month period leading up to the election. Does that sound normal? 31,872 of the voters who registered during the six months leading up to the 2020 election are now listed as inactive. Joe Biden, quote unquote, won Wisconsin by about 20,000. In total, 42,000 voters who voted in the 2020 election are now listed inactive. That's twice the margin. O'Donnell said that even factoring in changes of address, 42,000 is an excessive number of deactivations for recently active voters. According to the Wisconsin Legislative Audit Bureau report, 957,977 voters registered as new voters in 2020. 45,665 of these new voters registered with a driver's license that did not match DMV records. Once again, very safe, very secure. O'Donnell concluded by saying the irregularities and red flags found by his report and others indicate a huge potential for nefarious actors to access the Wisconsin registration system and game the system. And of course, nothing could be more obvious. And of course, that is why the system is that way. These systems are being created to be exploited. Okay, that's why the very smart people in our society who are so successful are almost always people that find ways to exploit these systems and or change the very system itself in order for them to exploit it. But hey, none of this is a problem if you are the sort of communist who thinks you're telling the truth every time you repeat Something said by someone who you think is telling the truth and you never bother to check. And so, of course, if there are too many people like that in any society, you can get away with everything they've gotten away with. You can get away with stealing an election. But it turns out that this last 11 months 
of Joe Biden's fake presidency has woken more people up than could have ever been woken up if Donald Trump was still in office and still the subject of daily hate like Orwell's two minutes hate in 1984. Every day, the whole society just projects hate on this avatar. And that is what keeps them partly what keeps them in the state of permanent emotional compliance. Donald Trump being to some extent out of the picture for this long is what has allowed so many people to wake up. And I'm not sure that the RFK book would have the effect it's able to have if Donald Trump was out there speaking out against the vaccines. And so all of this, I am saying, is part of this process of awakening. And awakening society-wide is the only way to stop something like the global communist global reset agenda. And that is the ultimate goal. And doing that without civil war is the goal on top of the goal. And whatever it takes for us to reach those two goals successfully is something I am prepared to accept. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!